I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello, listeners. <laughs> okay. So I am t- trying hard <laughs> to contain my excitement because we are talking about Sleeping Beauty Day. Sleeping Beauty today. Maleficent. But um, more importantly, Sleeping Beauty. We are talking about Maleficent. Um, Sleeping Beauty only has 19 minutes in this film, like overall of talking dialogue. So she's really not the focus in my mind we're gonna we're gonna get to that when we get to the female agency (laughs) on this one however i'm coming um, in hot listeners um yeah we're gonna talk about that when we get to the female agency because i think there's some problems with that in this movie but at the same time the story doesn't really lend to it so i don't necessarily believe it's the movie's fault Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay so i guess we'll dive right in we're both pretty excited about this one not only in the research we found but um, for me, this is my favorite villain. It's in our intro, so you all know that uh, Maleficent is uh, who I root for. So this this is not only your favorite villain. This is your favorite Disney movie, correct? Yes, but or it's one my favorite Disney movie because it has my favorite villain right. in it. So I'll be really interested, even though I watched it a ton as a kid, and I've watched it since I was an adult, but it's still been years since I've watched it. So I am going to be curious looking at it through a different lens now mm-hmm. that we're doing this podcast. I don't think my love for Malef Oh, I really hope you can hear that. Yeah, yes, they can. Yes. So we are we are we are filming on dark and stormy day, which we thought we first we thought maybe we should hold off and try to get the sound, but then we realized for Maleficent this is all too apropos. Perfect. Um so I don't think my love for Maleficent will change. I think that is a constant. I am curious if my favorite movie, like if this will continue to be my favorite mm-hmm. movie as we go through all of the Disney classics, right? Mm-hmm. I I think it will because I love her so much, but that's why it's my favorite movie is because of Maleficent. Yes. But see, that's interesting to me because my favorite movie is Robin Hood. My favorite villain is Gaston. Yeah, I understand that. I yeah. think for me, I just have such a strong connection and love for this character. The other thing in, in my study for this, like you've picked an excellent favorite movie because not only is Maleficent very strong in this, but this is, the, 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 you know, I've posted a lot of the making ofs and some of them are 15 minutes long, some of them are 30. This is a 45 minute one because the animators and, and, and this, this I, you've chosen a piece of art and we'll yes. go into why it's a piece of art. For a lot of reasons, this is one of the last for a long time um, Disney movies that like they that that had you know we talked about in uh, Snow White and Pinocchio those backgrounds that had such deep deep detail and they mm-hmm. and Bambi, brought it well Bambi was a Bambi was a different different. style but yes, yes also like that I think is a movie that you can take a frame of and it's a piece of art mm-hmm. and this feels very similar to that and there's a couple reasons for that we'll go into real quick yeah. but let's read for those of you who don't know yeah so we're, we're trying I feel like we're really trying to contain everything and get out get on track like if we just went in the way we want to we'd just be screaming Maleficent like, over and over ah, again yeah uh, so it's <laughs> 1959 and the synopsis, and I should say, we are trying to stick with the 
IMDB synopsis, if anybody's curious. Uh, In the beginning, we kind of went back and forth, but now we're kind of sticking with that one. After being snubbed by the royal family, a malevolent fairy places a curse on a princess, which only a prince can break, along with the help of three good fairies. Did you ever think that Maleficent was a fairy? Yeah. I never thought, I always thought she was a witch. um, Well, that's the lore of the original story, I believe. Yes. Well, they go into that, I think, in in the Maleficent movies. And when they did that, I was like, oh, I guess she is a fairy. Mm-hmm. Because She's when like I think fairy, I, but I, I also believe. have a hard time remembering that the fairies are fairies because they're life size. I think of fairy. I think of pixie. I think of Tinkerbell. Got it. And they Got shrink it. down to that size. But anyway, yeah. that was just something so, I never really thought of her as a f- dark fairy. I thought of her as a witch. So we might as well talk about the original story. I've got some facts on that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the original story, it has different translations in different languages so in french it's sleeping beauty i am obviously not going to say it in the original language because i will butcher it (laughs) listeners Uh, the amount of of time that goes into tara like looking up pronunciations Mm -hmm. of certain words is pretty funny before we start Uh, recording literal briar rose is the translation for the german version and then in english it's also been translated as the sleeping beauty in the woods And so there's a couple different versions that they cite as, like, the earliest known version. And so supposedly the, like, original version um, was said to be uh, written somewhere between 1330 and 1344. Uh, But it was first published in 1634. um, And then the version that Brothers Grimm pulled from. So Mm -hmm. the version that Brothers Grimm pulled from and that I believe the ballet is based off of as well is a version that was adapted and published in 1697. So that's the most common version that is uh, pulled from and borrowed from and that was Charles Perrault uh, and that's what the Brothers Grimm, they collected and printed that version. They turned it into part of their uh, series of stories. And then I don't know if you want me to go into the ballet here or if Absolutely. you want me to wait. Okay, because I also have information on the ballet. Now, something to say. The, the music in this, I'll, I'll jump in because yes, I've got some music Yes, I have some facts. of that yeah, as well. Is based off Peter Tchaikovsky's... Uh, the ballet. Sleeping Beauty Ballet, yeah. which we saw. That's Is that the one we saw? We just saw an, a modern oh, we take We saw on a it? modern take on it. But so it was using the same music. Yes, using the same music. Uh, that was so interesting to me because that was the one where they had the, the Maleficent character who you know her name, that character's name in the... In the Carabas. It's Carabas. Mm-hmm. But uh, she came out and did her thing. And then later it's like her son, in, in our version, her son was coming back. And those were the same performers do you remember that mm-hmm. that i afterwards i went like where's the maleficent is she gonna come take about no it was the same dude and i was so impressed that he could come out with such a fierce feminine energy not only just acting but dancing that's got to be so hard to do both of those things mm-hmm. it was a very our version was like vampires were our, like, our version was we'll have to look up which version it was, it was. A, and um we have a listener uh, president of the fan club, Stephanie. Yes, yeah, Steph, if you're uh, out the there, Facebook let us know. Page, we saw it with her at the Kennedy Center, so um, she will probably have a better memory than we will. So yeah. I just remember... To try to, to share that version, because I really... 
liked the interpretation of it. Well, it was also the first ballet I'd ever seen. And I I came out being like, I really enjoyed a ballet. Like, it was a very interesting moment for me. Uh, And to go into the music, and it'll cycle back to the ballet, uh, much of the musical score, excuse me, of Sleeping Beauty, the Disney film, is based on Tchaikovsky's ballet, as we mentioned, and it was adapted by George Burns. And if that name sounds familiar, it is because he has written Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life, for me, for the ride, Pirates Caribbean. Uh, he also wrote the music for Robin Hood, Aristocats, Jungle Book, Sword in the Stone, 101 Dalmatians. He co-wrote the Ballad of Davy Crockett. Like he mm-hmm. becomes pretty central with Disney with a lot of musical scores. So he isn't that the same name as the comedian with the cigar, like the old George Burns? Yeah, <laughs> you're, think, like, yeah. you're like if George Burns sounds familiar, I was like, you're kidding. Oh, like, <laughs> I don't believe it's the same. Yeah, no, it's not there's the no same way. Guy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I found that interesting. And also to note, I always try to say what it was nominated for. It was nominated for Best Musical Score mm-hmm. uh, of a musical picture in 1960, but Porgy and Bess won. Mm-hmm. So going back to the ballet itself, uh, the ballet was three acts and it was first performed in 1890 and it was based on Peralt's story and the Brothers Grimm version. And the premiere was in St. Petersburg, January 15th, 1890. And I believe Sleeping Beauty came out in 1959 in January as well. And Not was, the same date. I think it was 28th or something like that. And that's debuted. interesting to think of like timelines because I, in, in the, the making of I Saw Walt comes out and goes, Mr. Tchaikovsky wrote us this uh, soundtrack only 75 years ago. And I was like, that is only 75. Yeah. Like it's weird to think of how close it is to them. So, the other thing I found interesting about this is Tchaikovsky passed away in 1893, so three years after uh, it came out, but by 1903, it was the second most popular ballet. The first was The Pharaoh's Daughter. So, unfortunately, Tchaikovsky passed before he could see this become a huge success. Mm -hmm. So, I just found that very interesting as well. So, those were just a couple of the little facts I had about the ballet that I wanted to be sure to share. And I know we usually share... um, the score on Rotten Tomatoes and the budget and things like that. So mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to go into that. It got an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm currently listening to our Peter Pan episode. And Peter Pan got 80%. And I'm judging the Rotten Tomatoes score on this. Because it should be much higher than That's that. That's interesting. No, and I and I know you're biased. But I'm like, totally after, biased. After watching this making of... Let, let's talk a little bit about... No, you're right. Let's let's finish your thing. But yeah, there's, there's reasons I believe that this should be much higher. Yeah, I agree. Um, again, I'm biased, but uh, so I have here that it had a budget of six million, and I don't Which know. Which is insane. Yeah, it was a very high budget, right? Y- yes, six million is a lot of money, especially yeah. for back then. To just to and just I don't to point something it out, made its money back originally. No, it didn't yeah. do well. It, it didn't do well simply because it made it cost so much to make. Yeah, like it wasn't that it wasn't a success, so to speak, in people enjoying it, but it didn't make its money back because the budget was so high. There's, right? Is that how you yes. describe it? There's a lot of, like, after this, we still have a lot of Disney classics, but I think you'll watch and you'll see that they're almost, they're not queer, they're not quite as um, perfected and, like, there's a little bit more of kind of like there's there's methods that we'll get into like they call it like the xerox era i think in the 70s and stuff Mm -hmm. like that they kept moving towards that because it's quicker ways to do stuff they repeat animations you'll see that a lot more well the other thing that i read too which i found interesting and i double checked it to make sure it was right looking at our list this is the last true fairy tale until 
The Little Mermaid in 1989. Yeah. So I found that very interesting as well. And I wonder, I'm loving this thunder so much. I'm living for it. <laughs> uh, I, I wonder if that also had to do with like how this did, right? Did, if they, they moved away from, and there could have been a million reasons why they moved away from doing a true fairy tale, right? For well, a little while. But I found that fact very interesting. So... Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure if that had anything to do with it. This is yeah. I feel like we've hit our big three princesses for a while, which are Cinderella. Snow White, Cinderella, and this one. Mm-hmm. And then there was they they talked a little bit about this this movie was supposed to be focusing more on style and an art and, and he wanted to do deeper storytelling because the original fairy tale is like three paragraphs long or something like that. And he wanted like a story of like not only a you know, they talk about in Snow White in order to pad out the story, it's like let's do a bunch of gimmicks and, and, and bits with the, the 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 dwarfs. And this one it's more of like let's create a longer story mm-hmm. um I, I i don't know what why they didn't do that going forward but it's definitely makes sense that they would look back to this period to kind of reinvigorate the uh the when they start with little mermaid the renaissance because yeah. i believe what we're we're at the end of right now is known as the disney silver era mm. like the golden era was before world war ii is like you know uh snow white to right before the package films and then now we're in the silver era where it's that like they're redefining they're kind of using a lot of what they did but they're figuring out their style Mm -hmm. i i'm not 100 sure i need to be better about those um but i do want to talk a little bit about the decisions and why they decided to make this film because this film all the other movies they did do you know throughout the 50s weren't nearly this movie was in development pretty much throughout the entire 50s yeah they started I read it was 10 it. years like yeah. it was in production and development for at least 10 years yeah story all the way up to mm-hmm. this one of the things this to bring back our our old friend mary blair um which this was an interesting story because they're like walt started looking at mary blair's picture she did for alice in wonderland peter pan and going like we've got these this great style and then we just make it our own style afterwards. Why don't we try and have like a very clear singular vision when it comes to style? And I'm listening to this in the making of, I'm like, Oh my God, did Mary Blair do like, was she in church? And he goes, in order to, it basically sounded like in order to, uh, you know, thank Mary Blair for her work. They gave the entire design of the film over to a dude, a dude named, but, but, I know she was still very. She was gone at this point. Yeah, and in general, she had a huge influence. But Ivan Earl was the guy they gave to E Y V I N D, and he was in charge of kind of the the gothic look, which they mm. talk a lot about, be this medieval gothic modern, because he he looked back to a lot of uh, historical paintings, medieval paintings, those kind of things, and you see those very long, kind of elongated looks. If you look at this picture, especially considering everything else, every even the characters are all very elongated and stuff like that and, and, and look different to the other Disney movies yes, we've seen. Yes, and they base Aurora, that elongated, that animation being like flowy and, and that kind of, um, I don't want to say stick figure, but she is very slim. Well, um, it's a lot more vertical it, lines than they usually yes, have. Yes, and she was based off of... a. Uh, here it is. Long, thin, willowy shape. I wanted to get the description right from what I read. She was based on Audrey Hepburn, which mm. I found interesting. So they also, you know, he looked at, there was a book he, he in particular that had a lot of uh, um, influence on this film. It was called The Book of Hours. And it was an old, mm-hmm. you know, medieval uh, combination prayer book and calendar with paintings. It was one of the principal reference books for this. And I'm curious, was it art, like, was it French artists? Was because the film I believe is it supposed was to take yeah the film is supposed to take place 
in France, similar to Cinderella, the story, you know, but had a huge French yes. influence when it was written. So I was curious if it's, I know it was more based on a genre of well, it's not because they, or no, they, you said well, medieval. Is it, it's a mishmash because they did a lot of stuff from Persian art because I they see. liked the way they did that. But another thing they really put a lot in here was the fifties modernist style. So that's why at the end of the oh, day, okay. it almost looks like graphic design because that's a big thing that was going on the very sharp angular things and they all mesh together Mm -hmm. so it was kind of very unique in that way but this is one of the first times where the uh head stylist was in charge of the look of the picture and he was going to the animators who normally were like well this is how he's going to look and at were kind of you know the, the the golden boys he said no 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 you need them to look this way they need them to look this way and apparently they kind of underplay it in the uh documentary i think because they're trying to hold back on it but they're like the animators rebelled and went to walt and Walt for once went no i'm not backing you on this you need to follow his style like and he wanted this... me his first name and it's earl's his last name uh I have it here, but I don't know how to say Ivand, it. Ivan, but it's E-Y-V-I-N-D. Yeah. So Ivan Earl, yeah, I, I had that note too, that he was responsible for the entire look and feel of the movie, which yes. is so crazy to think about that it was one person guiding it, but it made it such a strong vision, I think, and such a clear. Yes. And I and I and it's interesting because there was a lot of animators who came, in, who came in and said, well, we kind of got our way on certain things, but it was mostly with the characters. Like, the you'll notice the... Uh, the fairies all are still kind of that round Disney style to kind of make them likable and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I think they got some of their way there, but he, they was apparently he was, I don't want to say tyrannical, but he had a very clear vision and it was the first time they'd done it in the studio. So it rubs some people the wrong way. Yeah. The other thing that he was responsible for doing that I read that I found interesting is we're always following the opening credits and that was a real book. So when you open the sleeping beauty storybook, it was real. He made that book. So he uh, Ivan did? Yeah. Wow. That's what I read. He made it and supposedly it was restored in 2008 and is sometimes displayed at events, but I've looked up pictures of it. You can buy it on Etsy. Like people have recreated it oh, yeah? for like 150 bucks or whatever you can get like a version of it. Is this you putting out on the podcast what you want for a gift sometime? I mean, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'll make my own version. I don't know. But I just thought it was a cool thing that like it was a physical there was a physical copy of the book it wasn't animated it may be animated in in the opening credits i don't remember Mm -hmm. so i don't want to get that wrong but there is a real version of the storybook that we see in the in the film and he supposedly created it so i found that interesting something i want to hop in real quick we talked about this earlier but the top three uh yes top three movies of that year are ben-hur the Shaggy Dog, another Disney movie, and Operation Petticoat. Now, one thing I want to point out is we talked about how this movie cost $6 million to make. Uh, Shaggy Dog and Operation Petticoat, the second and third highest grossing of that year, made $9 million. So, like, $6 million is most of that budget to the second and third highest movie yeah. that year. So, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And also to point out, Ben-Hur is, was a ridiculous hit it made 36 million which i think was pretty unheard of at that time it's not with the information i have which as you you know we want to let you know we're we're just doing the best with what we got we're not sure how accurate it is i haven't seen anything over like 11 million or 13 million so this is the first this is huge yeah no that is really interesting um i've got just some facts uh, about some of the the voices and and some of um 
just the different things in the movie? Is that okay to go into those? Let's do that. I've got a ton of other facts, but I think it would be good to just let's talk about them as they come okay. up. But let's hear yours right now. So I, the running gag that everybody remembers of the dress going from pink to blue, the birthday cake goes from pink to blue, like, and it's Flora and Meriwether who are mm-hmm. fighting. It's the red fairy and the blue fairy fighting back and forth about it. Uh, supposedly that originated from the filmmakers because they were unable to decide on a color of her dress. So they put it into there. So I found that kind of funny. Um, another fact that I liked to, that I read in the Italian version, her name is Talia. Uh, in the ballet, it's Aurora. In the German version, it's Briar Rose. And so they use Aurora and Briar Rose in the Disney version. It has been so long since I've seen, I've seen this. I don't, I think it's going to be like some of the other movies we've seen where I'm like, I know I'm familiar with it, but you're going to be like, you I don't mean, remember this? You don't remember this? The opening scene, you know her name's Aurora because it is a fanfare. Hail to the Princess Aurora. We got her singing, guys. What I'm saying is I don't remember. last night and I haven't listened to it. I just, it's in my brain. I don't remember her going as Briar Rose. I think that's when she's in the woods, I believe. Yeah. And so the other thing I had here... So our girl, Eleanor Audley, I don't know if I'm saying her last name right, even though she's my girl, she played Lady Tremaine's voice. Right. She does Maleficent. So I I apologize because here I am saying she's my girl. I do have a little thing about that. Apparently, uh, we may have the same fact. Is it about her when she walked into the studio? No, no. So it's two different facts. So the one I have is she originally turned down the role of Maleficent. Because she had tuberculosis. So when oh. Disney offered it to her, he didn't know that. And she turned it down and he was supposedly very surprised. Like, why are you turning it down? And then he, they found out later she had TB and she didn't want to overwork her voice. Mm. So luckily she recovered and she accepted the role. So could you imagine if she was too sick to be like, this is such an iconic voice <laughs> and she kills it. Could you imagine if it couldn't have been her? Like, why, why are I just, you yelling at me? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like thinking of it being someone else is wild to me. So, uh, one of the people in the in the I've been waiting for this person to show up somewhere. Uh, Don Bluth worked on this this movie. Do you know who Don Bluth is? The name sounds very familiar. So he ended up splitting from Disney and doing like All Dogs Go to Heaven and oh, Anastasia, okay. and that's he started his mm-hmm. own studio that did a lot of those. I'm not the biggest fan of those movies. Like um, some of them I love are cool. Both of those, so. <laughs> Um, but th- those movies are scary. Yeah. Those are, those, those, well, we, those might not. I think they should this. not make our way into our list, but we should, I think it'd be fun to do episodes yeah. on them. Um, but so th- I've been waiting for him because he was a, what, one of the big, like a lot of people go to Disney and then offshoot and do their own thing. But mm-hmm. he was like one of the big success stories for a while, especially in the eighties and nineties. Um, he was on this documentary and he was talking about apparently all the animators, uh, one of the things that when the actors would show up, they'd all like get at the window and look just to be like, okay, this is how they move. And this is this. Mm-hmm. And apparently whenever she showed up there, they'd go, there's Maleficent. She's here. Like they would, they would in hushed so tones, cool. like whisper about her because apparently she's animated very similar to how she moves. Well, and you watched the, we're going to post a picture oh my God. of her when they did the live action, her dressed up. Uh, with her cigarette in her hand on the, the staff, it's so fun. Yeah. I don't think they realized that was in that picture and I just was losing I, Tara was was taking the dog on a walk and I called her and was like you gotta it's get back it's a really here. great shot <laughs> like really great picture uh, the other thing that I have is second only to Dumbo because if we remember Dumbo didn't speak at all mm-hmm. the Disney title character which I mentioned at the start Sleeping Beauty has about 18 minutes I believe 
of screen 18 time? or 19 minutes of actual dialogue. No. 18 lines of actual dialogue. All my notes are jumbled. I apologize. What I have here is 18 lines of actual dialogue. The first line is not spoken until 19 minutes into the film. Mm-hmm. We don't hear her voice. Well, because she's a baby. But she sings two songs in that time frame as yes. well. So she does sing, even though, but I think overall, she does not have a lot of screen time comparatively. Like, mm-hmm. as far as like her dialogue yes. is concerned. Um, I'll jump in with that real quick because I have uh, Mary Costas was the. Uh, voice actress and she had some very lovely things that walt talked to her because everyone said she had such a beautiful voice and it was funny because she apparently had a very thick southern accent and that she had to get rid of and kind of move to this as they put like mid-atlantic also kind of british accent well yeah which is interesting that she has kind of this british accent but it's supposed to take place in france right that's something i but yeah but uh I, i i think Everyone kept saying, like, she had such a lovely voice, and it was probably one of the best fairy tale voices in So Light. And she started talking about, um, Walt came to her and said, you should think of your singing voice as an extension of your speech. You should almost be singing your speech lines. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I want you to paint with your voice. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, and that's she- such a beautiful quote. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so simple, but I love it. Yeah, and I think that really... For, I, again, I haven't seen this movie in a while, but the scenes I saw in the making of it, I was like, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. And I don't want to diminish when she does speak, but I just found it an interesting comparison yeah. to Dumbo mm-hmm. because he doesn't speak at all. I always like things for listeners to look out for. There is a hidden Mickey. And supposedly when the fairies talk about how to help the king and the queen, uh, Meriwether makes cookies and they're in the shape of Mickey. So we'll have to look out for that. Uh, the other thing that I wanted, a couple other things that I found very interesting, the Disneyland castle was named for the film, but the park opened four years prior to the film coming out. That's what you call synergy and looking for like, yes. And like getting people excited for it. Like there's a physical representation of Sleeping Beauty's castle, but there's not yet a movie of Sleeping Beauty. Can you imagine like if they put a, like something like the Black Cauldron, which I think is their first like flop, like, like not is like critical and no one liked it like if they put something behind it like we've made a new disneyland and it's got the uh black cauldron yeah and it was no no no. yeah uh so the other thing i found interesting is the dancing on clouds concept at the end her and the prince are dancing Mm. in the clouds walt wanted to use this apparently in snow white and cinderella and that didn't happen but it's used here in Sleeping Beauty, and then eventually it gets reused in Beauty and the Beast and Princess and the Frog. Mm. So that kind of uh, image gets reused. Uh, for sound effects, a flamethrower was used to create the dragon breath. <laughs> wow. And supposedly the snapping jaw was castanets. Yeah, that makes sense. I was listening to that, yeah. and I forgot how, like... It's very sharp and yeah. like, very clear sound. And uh, do you know, this is a trivia fact. The Muffin Man? Well, I do know the Muffin Man. Okay. But do you know the name of Maleficent's raven? It's Thurl. never said. I don't believe it's ever Thurl. said. Thurl. I want it to be Thurl Ravens. Like it's Thurl not. Ravenscroft. <laughs> um, why is a raven like a raven? Yeah. Uh, it's never said, I believe, in the film. The name is never mentioned. Mm-hmm. But Diablo. Oh, I think I did know that. I think I've heard that someplace, so probably from effect. Villainous or something. Yeah, so I, I don't believe they ever, she ever like calls the Raven by name, but mm-hmm. that is yeah. Raven's name. The other thing I found very interesting, this is another like comparing it to other Disney movies. Uh, the Queen is the first mother of 
a Disney princess to be alive during the film. And this doesn't happen again until Mulan in wait, 1998. Wait, wait, say it again. She's the first Disney princess's mom. Disney princess mom. Because I was like, Mrs. Dumbo's alive. <laughs> Mrs. Jumbo. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, princess. Disney princess's mom who's alive in the film. Yeah. And that doesn't happen again until Mulan in 1998. That's... Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean... I mean, we can track it to make sure that it's an accurate fact, but that's I feel like I there's something deeper to dive into there. I don't know that I really have yeah. the, uh, know what that is just yet. And then, of course, I want to end with a Maleficent fact. Uh, supposedly, the look of Maleficent was inspired by an actress, Malia... Mela, I think. Mela Nermis. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. I'm so sorry. Uh, but she played the character Vampira, mm-hmm. which is also an extension of Elvira, has a very similar look to Vampira. Morticia Adams. And the actress based Vampira off of Morticia okay. Adams and the evil queen from Snow White. So it's a weird circle of like they they thought of Vampira for Maleficent because of, I think the eyebrows you can notice are very similar and the sharp lines of her clothing and it's like very specific but then she based her performance off of morticia adams and Mm -hmm. the evil queen from snow white which you know it's just kind of this full circle of these these very strong women uh characters yeah i thought well cool i'm i'm ready i know you are yes the other thing we should mention here is this is the first one we're watching on blu-ray because we own it so it is already (laughs) on our shelf uh we give away the ending come on man uh, but yeah, so we are watching this one and there are some fun extras that we will mention when we come back uh, and we'll double check to see if they're on Disney Plus as well. But we are so pumped and listeners, we are going to see you on the other side. I know I came in hot, but nothing's changed. She spent the last 20 minutes of this film like yelling at me as if she was like, this is good. This is, and I'm like, I'm, no one is arguing with you. Who it's are a, you having? It's a solid movie, even if you're not a super fan of Maleficent. If you're a fangirl, fanboy, super fan. Well, I, here, I feel like you're going to spend a lot of time going off on all that stuff. So let's hit the ground running. All right, here there we, we go, go. Guys. I, 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 Opening I, credits. Here we are. Uh, so we open on the credits and again, we've got, uh, you know, there, the animation and everything is so interesting with a lot of these opening credit sequences and once upon a dream is playing. And I think we noticed that with lady and the tramp as, oh no, lady and the tramp. I think they did Bella Note for yes, lady and the they tramp, did. but this right. is where they've started doing actual songs from it instead of having like overture songs that mm-hmm. are, that are, are songs, new songs that are less familiar yeah and then you see the bejeweled storybook which was the storybook i was referring to that you can find on etsy and different places if you want to purchase your own although i might make my own uh, i think that could be a fun project in quarantine <laughs> uh but anyway uh we're told the story of aurora's birth through storybook pages so through the pages of the book we're told that the king and queen have waited a very long time to have a child that I guess it's been difficult for them. And then they finally um, have a child. And so we are the day of her birth and a celebration. So that's kind of where we start. And on that joyful day is kind of what the pages say. And so we start seeing that lots of people are coming high and low class. Is that what the the terms they used? 
I think it wasn't. It wasn't class. It was like stature. It wasn't. That was a one. Anyway, but but it's but it's it's people from all over. But they talk about yeah. And this just from a start of animation. That first scene of actual animation is just so many different elements moving, and some of them Mm -hmm. are repeated. But it's just it's so many people moving, and it feels like they you know in in Disney it's all about putting different cells on top of each other and taking pictures. That had to have many 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 cells working on it at once. Well, and also. The different heights because you have the banners of the different families coming in and the flags and so like there's different uh perspectives there of like there's so much going on i feel like in terms of how tall how colorful that was one thing i noticed throughout this whole thing is the big wide shots with everything in it that's why it felt so much like a painting because it wasn't like a film where it's like you have a point of focus it's everything is at the same level and it, and it felt a little flat like that in in some of the shots but i think because they were trying to replicate that medieval style of painting Mm -hmm. and they did it so well because i feel like beautiful things fly by you so fast that you can just you could stare in the left upper left corner of this whole film and you will see a whole different film than anybody else and you'll see you won't be bored it won't just be like things going by and now we are watching the diamond edition uh (laughs) the blu-ray version but guys we're really rich and that's why we can afford things like the diamond apparently yeah i i didn't know it was called that until i'm looking at the title screen as we're talking uh so i'm sure it's enhanced a little bit but the what they did originally is so beautiful they did such a fantastic job and you see it from the opening shots here and so um, then comes that song that I was singing earlier, uh, Hail to the Princess Aurora, and everybody is kind of joyful and celebrating that she's born. We never actually see her as a baby. We see her crib and everybody coming in to pay their respects and give gifts to her. Which I noted because the last time we saw a baby, it was that was kind Lady of weird looking baby from yeah. Lady in the Tramp. So uh, they announce... Uh, Welcome a lifelong friend, and it's Hubert, King Hubert, with son Philip, and they've and Philip has brought a gift to what will become his bride, but Philip doesn't know it. So it's mm-hmm. the the friends, Steph, King Stefan, and King Hubert have made this decision and this pact. And when Philip looks at Aurora, he gives the ugliest, well, like little boy, like gross face. They they, they introduce it really funny because it is like. Little did he know he would be looking at the woman who would one day be his wife. And then it cuts him. He's just like, mm. it, like, yeah. like he smelled something. Like if something. he had stuck his tongue out, but he didn't. But yeah, it's like that like, kind Ugh. of a face. And it was Gross. so funny. It was great. Uh, and then they introduce the three good fairies. So we see Flora, who, who? is red and bossy. Fauna, who we find out is kind of the, the balance. She tries to like be silver lining and well, keep the peace. I told you about this, but Frank uh, Thomas, who's one of the animators, worked on him. And her personality was kind of based off of a, a woman he knew, for, like a secretary or something from Colorado. Fauna's was. Fauna. Yes. And he, he the story he tells in the making of, which we found out is actually available on Disney Plus and the extras for Sleeping Beauty. It's mm-hmm. It's called Picture Perfect, which I think is a picture perfect title for this because it is like watching a bunch of paintings um he talks about she was she would do stuff like you go hey so can you get me on the phone with so-and-so oh they're not here but i did that reminds me i got a letter from my daughter and let me read it to you she was just very like aloof and he's like she was a nice lady but she wasn't all there and that's who he based fauna off yeah and And i think yeah she's she's very sweet but she's not always gentle um the smart this the the smartest whip is that what you say i guess yeah. yeah and i and 
Flora is bossy, and I, we're going into their personalities even more than you see them here, because th- we're just introducing them, but I figured while well, we introduce them. So Meriwether uh, is the blue fairy. She was always my favorite, and she's spunky, and I think she brings a lot of humor to the fairies, and her and Flora, they're both strong personalities, so that's why Fauna is kind of the in-between. Uh, so we're introduced to these three, and Flora gives her the gift of beauty, and when they show the gift of beauty being bestowed on her, it's so ethereal, and it's the animation is so beautiful and whimsical here. And it looks so advanced. Like it, yeah. it, What they did was not easy to do, and it looks like almost computer anim- like early computer animation. Obviously not what they were doing in 1959, but worth worth a look if you know someone who i know we've got a few animators who i think listen to our Mm -hmm. podcast so if you want to chime in let us know yeah it was so beautiful the way they did it and so um you know it's this ethereal very whimsical animation and then it comes back to kind of the sparkles from the wand and the spell and they're bestowed on to the baby and then the next gift fauna gives her the gift of song and then meriwether is about to bestow her gift so let's before this what do we think meriwether was going to give her I'm going to say Grace. Oh, I was going to say the gift. Well, she's got Grace. I was going to say the gift of baking. She's got beauty and song right now. I like the gift of baking. Like, like give her a skill. Yeah, but <laughs> I I'm, I think I'm looking at it as she's been giving beauty. She's been giving song. So I, I'm going to fit it in with she's Grace. She's got beauty. She's got, isn't that a song? <laughs> like she's got beauty. Yeah. She's got Grace. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but listeners, we'd love to know what you think, Meriwether. What gift yeah, did uh, Meriwether... Was... Send us an email. <laughs> I know it's uh, the dinosaurs send emails these days, but send us an email and let us know uh, what gift you think Meriwether was going to give Sleeping Beauty or Aurora. Because at this point, that is when the Mistress of Evil, the one, the only, the Magnificent maleficent enters and she is everything i think she's fine oh please (laughs) so she's interrupted meriwether is interrupted and the uh she comes in and literally my notes are yes the theme and entrance so good and good is like in all caps exclamation marks her musical theme is so simple but so brilliant and it's eerie and it's haunting and like you immediately hear it and you know it's maleficent if you've seen this movie before you you know she's coming and that's actually tchaikovsky's music or at least some of it because i remember when we saw the ballet i heard it and i'm like oh that's maleficent's theme Mm -hmm. but there's a couple things i really like about it number one it's easy to look at maleficent and draw the comparisons to lady tremaine because they both kind of have Lady Tremaine's hair went up yes, like that. Yes, also but... she has a big ring like Lady Tremaine has, and her nails are bright red. Like, I love everything about yes. Maleficent. But... Um, but also, that that's the way her th- her theme is feels a lot like that scene with Lady Tremaine where she's like, the clothes, wash them. Like, the theme goes, yes. doo bum. Yeah. And like, it, 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 mm-hmm. it, it draws you in, and then it scares you. Yeah. Like, it's very cool. It's, it's so brilliant, and... Uh, we're, well, I'm gonna spoil it right now. I it's like it's my it's gonna be my pick for the best musical theme. Like oh. I know there's like Once Upon a Dream is very nice, but like this is my favorite th- theme. Yeah. Every time it comes on, I was like, shh, because because guys, Tara talked through this whole thing. Like, I tried oh not my god, to, here she is. Oh wow, this is the best. Guys, I'm like, I tried shh, not shh. to, but it is so hard. Uh, so she comes in and very similar to Lady Tremaine, she carries herself. Um, she's got this poise about her, and she's petting the raven and. She just, like, very calmly, right? She doesn't, like, get 
loud here yet. But she's like, listen well, all of you. That's like her first line, did I we, believe. Did we talk in the beginning? This is the problem with us sharing so many of our notes before we started. I can't remember what we said on the podcast. We haven't. But yeah. Mark Davis was the... Uh, the, the, We've not talked about this on the podcast. So yet. he's the animator on this, and he talked a lot about it. it was interesting because we watched a. I'll try and find this on YouTube and put it up. We couldn't find it on Disney Plus, but it's just a general uh, behind the scenes where they talk about. And it Disney was on villains. the Blu-ray. It, yeah, edition. it's on the Blu-ray. Um, if you're rich like us, you can buy the Blu-ray. Um, but it's called The Art of Evil: Generations of Villains. Yes. Sorry to cut you off. And it talk, Mark Davis, he worked on it, but he worked. This was his first villain. He'd worked on Flower, and then some of the main Cinderella and Alice. Cinderella and Alice, and then he worked on Maleficent, and this was his first villain. And he went on after this to do Cruella Deville, and he said he liked Cruella Deville so much better because he's like, I understand. He was like, Maleficent's great and evil, but she just is very subtle. Like they, there's a lot of subtlety in this whole film where it's like with the with the the prince of princess and maleficent where it's like you're 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 reading a lot into the character and there which is i think easier to do as an actor than it is to animate that's hard mm-hmm. to portray well and he said like maleficent doesn't really talk to anyone whereas Cruella deville is interacting with maleficent does talk to other people but Corella she's mostly is in- talking to the audience yeah and Cruella is interacting with lots of other characters and she's in the film crazy and, and he's like he's yeah. like oh she, she was much more interesting to animate than mm-hmm. than maleficent maleficent's design and style are And she's a wonderful character, but I think if you're making her, it's probably not nearly as interesting as a character who's bombastic. But uh, the sound of her staff is the other note I have here. Every time she hits that staff down, that's another very, along with her theme, it's like you know exactly what that sound is from if you hear it. And so this is when she... Uh, you know, she finds out that she wasn't invited on pur- on purpose. Meriwether, you know, is like, well, you weren't invited. Well, Meriwether's like getting angry yeah, thing where she like, her, she like, her, like she, if she was a bird, her feathers. She wiggles yeah. her her shoulders and then she wiggles her butt. It's like, ooh, like. Yeah, she, she, gets, she just can't she keep her angry. She a lot during this whole yeah. thing. And so she's like, well, I will give a gift to the princess as well. And so when the sun sets on her 16th birthday, she'll prick her finger on a spindle, on a spinning wheel, and she'll die. And so that is her gift. Uh, And she then disappears after that. And it's this big thing. And so the fairies are like, well, Meriwether, you still have your gift to give. So you can change kind of the course of what Maleficent has just given to the child. And so Meriwether changes. Instead of her dying, she will sleep until her true love's kiss. Um, And so even though that was the case, King Stefan is still so nervous and and rightfully so it he's you know he does not want this to happen to his daughter so he has a decree that they're going to burn all the spinning wheels and both Ryan and I were like <laughs> what happens to like the livelihood of people who were making clothes in this kingdom well, and like all these spinning wheels are gone I made the point and Again, this movie's pretty solid, so like I don't know that it should be remade. And when they did, they took yeah. a completely different lens to it. It's very different. It's Maleficent. But I would love to see a version where, if you guys remember the 1989 Batman, after they realize they can't wear deodorant or put on like makeup or anything because the Joker has poisoned all of the, the beauty products, they cut to like the next... The news anchors. Yeah, the next yeah. news anchor scene is everybody like they look like they, they're not wearing makeup yeah. so i wanted to see the rest of this movie is like they become the raggedy kingdom yeah like everybody's like, got tattered clothes yeah. and nothing's made right and we deal with that later where uh we're jumping ahead and they're making aurora's dress and they're like oh we've never made a dress before and i'm like who's made your clothes for the last 16 years yeah when you've lived with her yeah so um 
So yeah, so that was just a funny thought that we had. But the fairies are having tea and cookies. This is where we see the hidden Mickey. And I will say this is the first hidden Mickey that's been clear. That, you know, that we've read about and we're able to, like, see without stopping and rewinding and that sort of a thing. And it is the cookie that Meriwether uh, eats. And so they're trying to figure out how to protect the princess. They're like, you know, even though King Stefan burned all the spindles, that's not going to matter. And Maleficent always finds a way. And so, um, you know, they get really small. And that animation of them going from big to small, you had something about that, didn't you? So, well, just, you know, the actual animation of them changing. But when they spin the wand and this, they, yeah. This apparently, we talked a lot about this in Fantasia, about the effects department, how much work they put in a lot of Fantasia stuff. In fact, they show in the documentary the uh, scene of them having the, the boiling lava that they ended up putting in for the dinosaur scene. Mm-hmm. Um, in this one, like, the effects team also got a lot to do with a lot of the, like, magic and just the, the, the twinkles on the wands and things. But anytime they got small, if you look, there's so much sparkles there. Like, that's mm-hmm. a, that was a big animation move was how they did that. But this is an interesting thing. Oh, another thing I want to talk about is the wands. The wands had a very similar look to – I mean, I guess there's not a lot of ways you could draw wands. Yeah. But they felt like the uh, fairy godmother wands. Mm-hmm. And since that episode, uh, you've been uh, moving around everything in your uh, uh, study. So a lot – Tara is a music therapist, so she has a lot of musical items. And one was a baton. And I picked that up, and I immediately went, oh – this is the magic wand. This, it's it's a. It it's looks a, exactly the same. It's it, just the it's, handle is well, different. Well, also the way they do it has yeah. the exact same feel because there's that weight at the end and then mm-hmm. nothing. So I think that may have been what they used for it. But anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. So, uh, no, it's a good comparison for sure and a good visual. Uh, so they get small and they go into like this very like ornate... I don't exactly know what it is, but it's like jeweled and maybe it's part of a, a tea set or something. It almost looks like that makeup box or something, like something similar to what you have where you have that mirror that opens and there's stuff for jewelry, but it's like much thicker. Yeah. So whatever it is, they go into that because she says even walls have ears, you know, and they're very paranoid that Maleficent is going to hear them even talking about what they should do. So they're talking about how to protect the princess and uh, Flora says, I sometimes mix Flora and Fauna, so I'm trying to remember who's who when I'm talking. I remember uh, because Flora makes a well go. She makes a comment about turning about Aurora flower. into yeah. a flower, so that would be her thing. So the flower, and then Meriwether's like, "Oh, Maleficent would just come and ruin it with a frost." You know, she ruins your flowers every year, and so I like that weird like glimpse into their history. Yeah, that like Maleficent is always ruining whatever you make beautiful. She's like coming around and and ruining, and so Flora's finally like, "Well." We here's the plan. We're gonna have three peasant women raise the child, and they're like, "Oh, that's so nice, Fauna. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so nice of them. Who's it gonna be?" <laughs> uh, and Aurora's like, or excuse me, Flora's like, "It's gonna be us." And so she says, "We're not gonna use magic. We're not gonna live like with our wands. Nothing." And Meriwether like can't fathom it. She's like, "What do you mean, no wands?" And so. They're going through it, and so she's changing their clothes so they look like the peasant women, and then, like, getting rid of their wings, and, of course, Flora still has her wings, and then Meriwether, before Flora takes her wand, she makes sure that her wings are gone. It's like a lot of back and forth with the two of them I, in this scene. I had a lot. Uh, Flora kind of had yeah, a little bit of go-away heat with me. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, but, but I, I think w- it balances oh. out. Each personality yeah. plays off of one another. I was going to say, when they change them all, she changes uh Meriwether's costume to be pink, pink. instead of blue. Yeah, yes. that's the first time we see the argument of pink and blue yeah. between the two but of them. But it just kind of Flora Flora 
is usually right and is a good person, but at the same time, she doesn't really put into. She's kind of the the head of that trio because I think Fauna's okay, sure, and then Meriwether just doesn't be, seems to be Gets the one the that shaft doesn't like a little it. Bit, yeah. yeah. So they take her away in the night. They take the baby away. They explain to the king and queen this is the only way. And um, then we cut to Maleficent. So it's the first time that we see uh, Maleficent. And we see her castle in much more detail later. So I kind of want to wait to talk about it till later because it's way more detailed when we go back to it. But we see her and she's upset because she's talking to her goons because she knows that Aurora is about to turn 16 and they haven't been able to find her. So she's like, you know, you've searched everywhere. You like, where have you looked? Have you looked here? And she's saying all these things. And finally, one of the goons says, we searched all the cradles. Well, it's, it's looking for a baby. Yeah. And her laugh here is so wild because she's got like this like wild maddening laughter about they were looking for a baby and then she gets so intense um and she turns to her pet my pet uh to the raven to diablo and is like you're my only hope essentially like you need to go find a girl who's about 16 who looks like this Mm -hmm. like and and tell me if you found her because it's coming to where you know the spell um the goon in in question who speaks is the same voice i don't know who the actor is but the voice of the uh chief from peter pan, peter pan yes. doing a because I, I love that chief's voice and it's a very similar yeah it's the same voice yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's now it's there's less uh pro it's not as problematic so. yes yeah so then uh, we cut to deep in the forest to the woodcutter's cottage and uh, they're trying to decide, the three fairies, they're trying to decide uh, what to give Aurora for her birthday. And so they want to make her a dress and they're looking at, at the book and, you know, that's where the argument of it should be pink, it should be blue starts to come into play with uh, Flora and Meriwether. And uh, Fauna's always wanted to bake a cake. And so then that's when also Ryan and I are like, Who's been cooking yeah. and cleaning and baking? Because they've put their wands away. They haven't used their wands for 16 years. And so it's very interesting because even though Aurora could maybe do those things now, she couldn't do those things when she was a bitty baby. So mm-hmm. it's very curious. Uh, but basically, you know, they're trying to be secretive and Aurora is on to them. She hears them like whispering and they're like, go out and pick berries. She's like, I did that yesterday. And they're yeah. like, that's fine. Go get more. Uh, and so then they go back to going back and forth and Meriwether's like, we're so close to her 16th birthday. Let's just use magic. Like Fauna's never baked before. You've never made a dress. Like, why are we trying to do this? It's not going to come out well. And, um, Flora rightfully so is very protective and, you know, spoiler, we get to it, but that's kind of what ruined, that's kind of what lets their secret out is them using their magic a little later on. So they try it without magic first. And when they're doing the dress, Flora has that really, like, mean comment to Meriwether when Meriwether... This looks awful. Yes, because it's on you, dear. That's because it's on you, dear. Yeah, Meriwether says the dress doesn't look right. And it was just, like, a very bitey, sharp comment. Um, And then, then they start thinking about how they have to let go of Aurora. So they start getting sad, and you realize, you know, they've they've raised her. You know, and they are very close with her, and so they're all having all of these emotions, and... um, you know, and so then it cuts to Aurora at this point, and her barefoot Aurora in the yes, forest, <laughs> barefoot the entire time, never Which wearing shoes. She she's she's lucky that something 
um, more prominent happen in her life, so she'd be known as Sleeping Beauty as opposed to like the calloused foot princess. Or yes, whatever. yeah. Uh, and so her singing voice is absolutely beautiful, mm-hmm. and it's so striking. Let me look up the actress's name. Yeah, it's such a striking voice, and from moment one, you're kind of like mesmerized by uh, the vocals of this character, and so she's singing to the bluebird and the redbird, and eventually Mary Costas. Mary Costas, yeah, fantastic, fantastic voice. So she's singing to all the woodland creatures. So in this whole thing of her in the woods, it's very reminiscent of both Snow White and Cinderella, I think. I kept saying that, and I think you kept agreeing as well. Like, she's interacting with the woodland creatures like Snow White, and then kind of like the mice, you know, Mm -hmm. um, in Cinderella with the way the creatures are helping her out and things like that that we see. And so uh, that's when we come upon Philip and Samson, the horse. And I forgot how funny Samson, the horse, is. We don't know for sure. I mean, it's obviously Philip, but like... I don't know that they say it's Philip. Yeah. Because Um, there's a little bit of a plot thing there, but not much. Yeah. And so he hears her singing and just thinks maybe he imagined it, or maybe it was like a creature in the forest that sounds like somebody singing. And uh, he's got this banter with Samson about like... You know, I'll give you lots of carrots when we get back to the castle or whatever. And it reminds me of Sven uh, and the reindeer from Frozen. They've got a very similar kind of banter between the two of them. Uh, And then as the horse is trotting... Well, I wanted to jump in and say I'm interested to hear about... When when I said this to you, see uh, Enchanted, because I Mm. think their prince is based a lot... Well, I mean... Their prince is a, is a goof, but I think he has like a thing with his horse. I think like yeah, and there's also the squirrel. Like I'm interested to rewatch the whole opening animated scene of Enchanted because I think there's a lot of Sleeping Beauty in there. Yeah, and so he's going back and forth, and as he he's riding the horse, he winds up falling into the water and getting soaking wet, and then he looks at Samson and goes, "And no carrots," and it's <laughs> yeah. just like a funny little bit. Uh, but then you start hearing her sing, I Wonder, and that's kind of the first song, um, because up to this point, she's just kind of humming a melody. And she's singing to the birds and the owl, and, you know, she's walking through the trees, and that's, like, when we were struck with, like, how beautiful the perspective is here, and how detailed all the trees are, and you see the castle from afar, so she's kind of looking off at the castle, and then you see the different birds that come in are the same colors as the fairies. Like, there's so much happening here Mm -hmm. that... I really think you just have to watch it. Like, I've tried to describe it here, but you can't do it justice. There's so much detail in the background, but all yeah. the characters have that vibrant kind of more primary colors mm-hmm. to them that I think makes them pop more. Yes. It's just so, it's it's really breathtaking mm-hmm. the way they do it. And so she's talking to the woodland creatures about how, like, they never, the fairies never, well, she doesn't refer to them as fairies, but they never want her to meet anyone. You know, she shouldn't talk to strangers, and she's like, but they don't know that I've met someone. I've met a prince, and he's tall and handsome and romantic, and we walk and talk together. So at first, you as the viewer are like, oh, maybe she's mm-hmm. she's met him before. And then she goes, and then I woke up, and it was a dream. And that's reminiscent to Cinderella dreaming yeah. about falling in love and being in love. And so... This- I, th- I think that Walt was like, we're going to do something very interesting with style. We're going to do something very interesting with story in some way. So there's going to be a lot of the same beats we hit, you know, like the the princess movies at this point are his three biggest movies. Yeah. And even though it's reminiscent, it still is its own thing, right? Like it, it's borrowing from those, but I think it's doing it in a different way enough. Yep. Uh, 
So the squirrel kind of orchestrates this whole next bit. And the squirrel notices that Philip's cape is hanging because he got soaked. So he's like hanging his clothes to dry. And the squirrel gets the rest of the animals involved. So the rabbits get in his boots and the owl like takes his cape. And so they all like fly and like hop away with his stuff. And Philip's like kind of shouting at them uh, as he's sitting like soaked in the water. Philip has kind of an interesting design because he almost, I mean, well, the cool thing with Maleficent and with uh, Aurora is they have these dresses or robes that kind of, or cape drama that mm. like flow and move around. And I think they did the. I just thought about it. They kind of do the same thing with with Philip. Yeah, like his, his cape, cape like mm-hmm. has a good flow to has it. Has really good movement mm-hmm. to it. And so uh, she starts singing "Once Upon a Dream" and dancing with the owl, who is now the owl's got the cape around him and the yes. squirrels in the hat. Uh, and the rabbits in the boots. And it's such a funny, I always remember that scene. And it's so much fun seeing her dance with them. And then the prince, like in Snow White, just comes in and joins her and just like sings like, la, like right in but her face. It's a little bit different here. He doesn't here. scare her because the Snow White prince is like, today. Yeah, like, that's true. That that's true. Um, but he does come in like very like full singing. And he's got a great singing voice yes. too. And he comes in singing the same melody and kind of just jumps in to where the owl was. And I wrote here, he's such a smooth talker because she's oh, like, oh no, because he's I, a You're stranger. a stranger, he's like, I've but never... we've met before. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, in your dreams. Like, he's, he's been like, listening a little bit. He's like, upon a dream. And she's like, oh. And Which so he... implications are a little creepy, but I, I feel like if you're in for the fairy tale aspect of it, yeah, this is a good version sweet, of that. He literally sweeps her sweeps yeah. uh, her off her feet in this scene and they're dancing together and they're walking together and they're holding hands and now we're back to see looking at the castle from afar and that's when he asks who are you and oh. what's your name so one thing i want to jump in there oh, with no appara- problem. apparently mary costas was the only voice on the the uh document i saw but apparently i think i think a few people had schoolgirl crushes on bill shirley who's the voice of prince philip not only was he handsome but apparently she made a big deal of saying how nice he was Aww. so I just thought that was fun. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so he's asking her her name, and that's when she's like, oh my gosh, I actually should have never talked to you, and I can't tell you my name, and I'm not allowed to really be doing what I'm doing right now. Because she spent 16 years probably being told, don't Sheltered. talk to strangers. Yeah, you yeah. Have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not being told why. So she's just very like, I don't know what's going to happen now that I've told you these things. And so he's like, well, when will I see you again? And she says, never. And then she <laughs> says, well, no. Not never. And then he's like, tonight? And she's like, okay, sure. Meet me at the cottage in the Glen. And so that's kind of how they leave it, is her running away and him being like, okay, I'm coming back tonight to see her. And so then we go back to the fairies and we're seeing how uh, things are going. And um, I forgot to mention earlier when Fawn is trying to make the cake and she folds in the eggs. I love that bit that she literally drops the eggs in with the sh- like hole and folds the batter over it and then crunches the shells I can't into the t- batter. I can't tell you as somebody who, tr- who kind of tried a couple baking recipes over this quarantine has been like, what does fold in mean? <laughs> like, yeah. it took, like, it took me a while to figure that out. It's also, if you're if you're a Schitt's Creek fan folding in the cheese, there's uh, an episode <laughs> with Moira and David and uh, Moira saying that she used to cook this recipe all the time and they're like no you didn't and then they try to do it and they get real stuck on what is folding in the cheese (laughs) uh but anyway so we see the cake propped up by the broom and we've actually seen this recreate it we posted it on the facebook page we'll have to repost it like back when we started this the facebook page but we'll find it again Uh, of a cake that somebody did looking exactly like that with the broom propping it up 
And the dress I wrote here is a hot mess. Like, it is just like, it's Calling bad. it a dress is generous. Yeah. And so Meriwether's like, that's it. I'm getting the wands. Like, none of this looks good. The cake is melting. The candles are like sliding down the broom. And so, uh, again, Flora being bossy, she's like, well, I'm going to make the dress. Meriwether gets excited to try to make the dress. And before Meriwether can say it, she's like, well, Fauna will make the cake. I'll make the dress and you can clean up Meriwether. And so uh, I love that Meriwether's like, come on, bucket, mop, broom. Like they uh, kind of have a sing-songy way as they're doing each thing. Uh, And then Fauna is trying to sing the ingredients to the ingredients to let them know the instructions. And then she tells the ingredients, (laughs) oh, just look at it. It says it right there. She shows them the book and they all gather and go, okay, we got it. Yeah, the (laughs) flour, the eggs, everything's like, okay, we've got it. So that's a funny little bit. And Which then, feels similar to Alice in Wonderland where those daffodils like murder two of their friends yes. with symbols where they're like, oh yes, I have to sacrifice myself. The eggs just like crack open and then the shells just disappear. Yeah. Like, it's so weird. Uh, so then this is where the, the battle of the, the pink and blue really comes into play because as Meriwether's cleaning, she sees it's pink and she's like, no, blue. And so she changes it to blue and then, you know, then they're changing their outfits back and forth to pink and blue and then they're changing the dress back and forth to pink and blue and this is um i should say here we didn't mention this but when they got out the wands they tried to make sure that they closed every window that they pulled the drapes that they filled every nook and cranny of each window so the magic wouldn't get out because they're they they were trying to be very careful but they didn't think about the chimney and then they get caught up in this magic fight of changing the dress colors and so I thought that that was a cool bit of the raven flying over and you just seeing these puffs mm-hmm. of magic coming from the trees, which is coming out of the two uh, chimney yeah. uh, pipes out of the cottage. And so that's how the raven finds them. And so then we see that the dress is a mess. It's like paint splattered, two different colors. Yeah, it looks like, like two, yeah, exactly, paint yeah. splatter. And, uh, you know, and they hear Aurora coming back sing-songing. And so the mop's still running and they're like, who, who didn't stop the mop? And so they, and Mary Red says, stop mop, I think is what she says. It's her magic words. Yeah. And then at the last minute she changes it blue. So the dress does stay blue at this point. There's a part where Flora just goes, make it pink. Like, I yes. just love that they go, make it blue. Make like, it pink. Yeah. Like they're, they're telling their wands what they want it to do, which is interesting mm-hmm. to me. And then uh, as Aurora comes in, she's so sing-songy and so happy and they all wish surprise and happy birthday, which is very similar to Cinderella, although it is actually Aurora's birthday, whereas Gus Gus just says happy birthday. Yes. Uh, and so she tells them she's met someone and she is so head over heels and so dreamy and he's like, you'll meet him tonight. He's coming back tonight. And the fairies all get like very serious and they're like, oh no, this is terrible. You're already betrothed to Prince Philip and you're a princess and you can never see this man again. And like, could you imagine being 16 years old? Like you've grown up your whole life with these women and you don't know any of this and they're dumping it on you because now they're in a panic that, oh no, who is this man that you've met? Meanwhile, the Raven is hearing everything. So the Raven has confirmed that that is Aurora because he's heard the story. Uh, so not only the magic, but he's heard you betrothed to Philip. So he flies off as Aurora is well, that's like, devastated. That's interesting. We were talking about this later, how Maleficent seems to know 
Did they did they say in that you're going to you you're going to prick your finger and you might fall asleep? Or no, they okay. didn't. No, they don't warn her about that. So Maleficent has figured that out somewhere. Else. I guess she's yeah, she's heard somewhere else that she's not going to die. She's turned like to sleep instead. But, but Aurora is distraught by this information. And rightfully so. Exactly. Like I think a lot of times, sometimes it's like, well, you can't marry this prince. <laughs> but I think this is like legit. Like not only is it just you can't marry this prince, but it's like. My whole life is a lie. Like, well, I and finally I fell in, in love. Yeah, like, like, I fell in love. Like, I found, like, the person I was dreaming about. And now you're telling me I can never see him again. And I'm a princess. And I don't, like, what is happening. And mm-hmm. I have to leave tonight. And so it's a lot of information at once. And so she's up in her room. And she's crying. And then we go back to the castle. And so uh, King Hubert and King Stefan are waiting on Aurora to arrive. And Hubert is eating the feast. So the feast is there, but he's already eating. Love he Hubert. is very reminiscent of uh, the prince's father, the king in Cinderella. Yes. Not only the way he's animated, but like he's got Both a similar personality. I yeah. think I think Stefan isn't so much like the Duke from Princess from Cinderella. Yeah. But I think he it's a similar like tall guy, dark hair, beard next mm-hmm. to you know. He also will find later, I'm pretty sure they steal some of his animation for Friar Tuck mm. in, in Robin Hood when we start getting into the reusing animation yeah. to cut costs. So they're toasting with wine and Hubert says, you know, I've saved this wine for 16 years and his, I don't know. Oh God, I forgot minstrel, about the minstrel. The minstrel, I, it's so or funny. Or a bard. Yeah, or... whoever it is comes in um, with his, what would loot? you? Loot? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. That's got to be a mandolin, right? Or is that a lute? I think it might be a lute. You're the you're I know, more of a music I'm expert the music than me. I'm the music person. I Whoa, know. No, I'm sorry. I didn't. It's fine. I sometimes get that, and it's like I can't know everything. But I meant of the two people in the room, yeah. you might know I more than I. I think it's a lute, but it could also be a mandolin. A mandolin has more strings. So anyway, the minstrel brings out this wine. It's a lute. It is a lute. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so so my musician a, cred is, is just safe. as a heads up. You can get a uh, beginner uh, lute for about three forty-five. It looks like. Oh, cool. Uh, so they start singing this silly song called Scumps. Yes, you heard me right. S-K-U-M-P-S, because we put up the Yeah, because we went, what are they saying? What are they singing? And so they're singing this silly song, and the minstrel is getting drunk along with the kings, but even before the kings, like, he keeps pouring himself a little extra, and it's a very comedic bit if you're just watching the minstrel and watching how he's getting more wine throughout all of this. And then King Hubert is showing plans of a castle that he's finished with 40 bedrooms. And he says, it's really just a honeymoon cottage. It's not like anything crazy with 40 bedrooms, which I just thought was funny. Uh, And so they're like talking back and forth and uh, he starts pouring the wine and he's Hubert's missing the cups and then the minstrel puts the lute under it so it fills the lute with wine and then he drinks it and he goes under the table and for a little while all you see is his feet because mm-hmm. he's under the table and hiccuping and then hubert gets extremely upset under the table and hiccuping is my favorite dave matthews album it's <laughs> great <laughs> it's terrible so hubert gets upset because stefan says like this all might come as a shock to my daughter i also haven't seen my daughter in 16 years he's trying to communicate this but he barely gets the words out and hubert immediately is like oh my son isn't good enough for her and they get into this like banter back and forth and they're supposed to be good friends because they yes. announced that in the beginning um, and they get into this fight and then they both laugh. Like they're both like, well, Oh, we're being he, silly. he starts trying to sword fight him with a, with fish. a fish. 
And then they start realizing how silly they're being. Well, this is the part I like really laughed at because he, he starts going. He, they start laughing because he's like, I can't believe I'm sword fighting with the fish is so ridiculous. But then he she's the the, the fish, fish as a belt. sword and it's in his belt and it stays there. Yes, for, for the um, rest of the yeah. scene. <laughs> and so uh, then they they start talking about grandchildren and so they're bonding again over grandchildren and and these different things that are going to happen. Um, and they look for where the wine went. They're like, oh, we need more wine. And then they see the they, heat Well, the you table. hear that weird, like, electric sounding. Of the inf- lute strings, like. As he's snoring, his head is in the lute In the now. lute. And you see the hiccups going up. And so he's snoring and hitting some of the strings. He's a great character. And he's purely animation. Barely. He's There's like no, Bill. He's got no lines. Yeah. Well, Bill had lines. Bill had like, lines. That's right. Yeah. Bill the lizard from The, the minstrel is a, is a oft-forgotten and, and underrated uh, Sleeping Beauty character. Agreed. Uh, so then Philip arrives, and we're trying to figure out why he's come back to the castle, but my assumption is he knows he's supposed to be at the castle because Aurora is arriving, and I think he wants to let his father know he's fallen in love. And so everyone is cheering for Philip. Like, there are, like, these boisterous cheers as he rides in on Samson, and he's singing, and he starts dancing uh, and singing Once Upon a Dream with his dad. And I love that he picks his dad up and starts like sing-songy yeah. dancing with him. And he's like, I met a girl. I'm going to marry her. And he mentions that she's a peasant girl. And his father gets so upset. And he's like, no, you're betrothed to Aurora. And what do you mean a peasant girl? And then he says, father, you're living in the past. This is the 14th century after all, which I got That becomes like that. kind of a running joke throughout the, the – sh- they keep making jokes. It's like, oh, it's the 14th century, you know. I just thought that was – yeah. That felt like something that was maybe happening in homes across America. Yeah. And so then we go back to the woods and it's so dreary and sad because they're escorting Aurora to the castle and they have her in this uh, hooded hooded cape, like this cloak so she's not seen. And they're sneaking her back and they're trying to be really careful and they bring her back into her room, into the castle. And... The last gift that the fairies bestow upon her is the crown. And so they give her her crown and she's so sad. And so they they say, you know, we're going to leave her for a few minutes. And the fairies are really sad. Like they didn't want this to be how this happened. They were expecting it to be a celebration of her 16th birthday. You know, things have not gone as they saw either. And so then this is when we see... Uh, we see Maleficent's silhouette in the fireplace, and we're gonna have to it's post not even, an image of yeah. it. It's not her silhouette. It's like a faded it's more version of, of her. She's so in the good. shadows. Yeah. Like a little green ball appears and it disappears into her, and she's like, mm. and yeah. then it goes back to that green ball. And it's ball. almost like the green ball from the staff. Yes. Yeah. And, and then so, it like hypnotizes. And the way Aurora. Aurora is lit here, and you know, lit and colored. Yeah. Yes. And she's in this trance, and it's so haunting. And I was saying to Ryan, you know, we know what Aurora sounds like, what she looks like. Like they did a very good job of having us get to know her, even though she didn't have much mm-hmm. dialogue. Right. And we know her very well. So seeing her like this is so kind of disturbing. It's very haunting to see her in this trance and just looking like she's not a personality anymore. Yes. And so the fireplace opens to a door and the green light is leading her basically through the door and up these steps and so they hear, do they hear the theme of Maleficent? I don't know. They just go, listen, Maleficent. Maleficent and I'm like, the yeah. only noise that's going is her music. So I would love it if in this world, like, there's that's how legitimately they know she's a, a song plays as she's in the room. Yeah. So then they try, they see her go through the doorway and it closes and it's just bricks again. 
And at first they try to get through the bricks without using magic. And I love that bit because they haven't used it for so long. And then I forget, it might have been Flora who's like, oh, here, we need to just do this. And, yes. and pulls out the wands. And so now, and there are voices echoing throughout the castle calling to Rose. Is, calling, is, so is so distraught and yeah. haunt, like not haunting, but it's like, it really helps with that feeling of like, this is this, like, what, like, what is the word I'm looking for? This feeling of lost, like they're lost, like she's yeah. lost, they're lost, they're not going to make it like it. Yeah, it, they're it like Maleficent is, is going to win, like she, it's, it's going to, the prophecy is going to come true. And I wrote here, the theme is so good, like you're hearing Maleficent's theme, you're seeing her in this trance, you're hearing the echoes of the voices of the, mm-hmm. the fairies trying to find her and trying to get to her. And so the spindle appears and she reaches her hand out and then you hear Maleficent's voice say, touch the spindle, touch it, I say. And she, <laughs> I can't do a good Maleficent. I no, that earlier. was actually pretty good. Um, and then this is when uh, she introduces herself as the mistress of all evil. I think uh, it's so hard for where you hear it. Yes. I think it's hard for you to do a, a, a Maleficent voice because when you start doing it, you get so happy yeah. about doing it that like her thing is she's so menacing and you can't do it because you're like. Well, I'm doing a Maleficent voice. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so she reveals that it's already happened. The fairies come up and and there is... Here uh, is your princess. Yeah, she... here's Aurora. Here's Rose on the floor. Her hair is like all disheveled and she's yes. face down. So you can't really like mm-hmm. see her much more than that. And so we go back to cutting to the king and queen waiting for her. And then Hubert is like... I have to tell you something about Philip. He's like, oh gosh, I have to break this. Which to I Stefan. like that it, it, he was like, I kind of like that he wants to be upfront with yes. him to be he like, he wants to be upfront. He also takes Philip's side. Yeah, he's like, my son's in love. Like I don't, and that's when the 14th century thing comes back. Yeah. a little bit here, and the sun has set, and that's a really beautiful scene too. The sunset behind the castle, and they're celebrating, and the fairies are, for lack of a better term, they're laying her to rest. Like yeah. she has not died, but like she's you they're know, making her comfortable so yeah. she's not just on the floor yeah so they're putting her you don't see her put the see them put her in her bed but they walk away from her and mm-hmm. she's in her bed with the, the blanket on her and everything and they talk about oh my gosh the king and queen are going to be so upset like how are we going to tell them this is so awful and then fauna says well they're not going to know because we're going to just put everybody to sleep like we're just going to put the whole castle to sleep and then nobody has to be upset and you know and then we'll We'll figure it out from there, mm-hmm. essentially. And so you like had a feeling about this. I Have you changed your mind? No, I, I still think it's weird. Uh, but uh, you know, it's again, I I don't think it's it's detrimental to the story. But I think it's weird that they put the whole castle to sleep. Like I think in the story, like also in the original story, she didn't know Philip. Her whole kingdom went to sleep, and Philip found her kingdom a hundred years later and woke her up. So I that's like, a little creepier. Yeah. But I also am just like, I, I don't know why the, the like, I, I don't know. It's just weird. And, and your point was I, it's like, saving them it, some trauma. Yeah, I looked at it but, from an empathetic standpoint. was like, I kind of like that they're they're freezing everyone in time. So like Aurora's parents won't have died like when she wakes up if it's 100 years later or whatever. Like everybody's in the same moment. And that's what I kind of like about it. And I like that they're trying to do what they can. They feel like it's their fault. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't do their job. They th- were supposed th- to protect her. You think this is empathetic? I do. So the next time, like, you're like, oh, no, I, I missed something. I'm just going to put 
a cloth of All right, ether of over your and like chloroform, put you to sleep, be like, shh, I'm being empathetic, and in, then you wake up in later. In this storyline, I think they are doing what they can to lessen the devastation. Oh man, the Eagles are losing. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're doing what they can to lessen how devastating the situation is, is what I was trying to get at. I'm sorry. I'm enjoying that. I know you are. Yeah. Just like you like keep waking up and you're like, gosh, darn it, Ryan. Stop it. <laughs> so uh, as they're putting everybody to sleep, Flora hears King Hubert mention that his son has fallen in love with a peasant girl. And as he's falling asleep, she's like, what peasant girl? What's her name? Where'd he meet her? And so he's like drowsy and off to sleep. But she fi- she realizes that. Prince Philip is who she met in the woods. And she was, she's like, oh my goodness, we have to get back to the cottage because he's going to meet Aurora. No one's there. And so now we see Philip back at the cottage. And you hear a voice, come in. And it's actually Maleficent. And so she sets a trap and her face is full of glee because she was expecting to just capture a peasant. You know, she was expecting to just capture somebody who fell in love with her, who was a commoner, not the prince. And so it was a pleasant surprise to her that it was Prince Philip that fell in love with Aurora, fell in love with her. And so um, I love how she tells her goons away with him, but gently. She's like, don't harm him. And you find out why later. Yes. Uh, But she's like, don't harm him, but make sure you take him away. Because that was my thing for most of this. Like, oh, if she doesn't want this solved, why doesn't she just kill him? And then... And she reveals her plan shortly. They they do a good job of... I'm like, oh, here's another loophole in a Disney movie. I'm like, oh, no, this is... Yeah. they, They take care of it. And so when the fairies get to the cottage, they're too late, and they see Philip's hat, and they realize that they have to go to the forbidden mountains and here's where i said that i want give me the forbidden mountains give me maleficent's castle i want that instead of sleeping beauty's castle and cinderella's castle i want a villain castle this is a good spot to kind of put this in here and, and we'll do some more research and put it up on some of our social media but there was a rumor at one point of a villain's park being a new park added yeah. And I think we're going to design our own version of a villain's park at some point. But I think having a park and having this be the, instead it's of Cinderella's just, or Sleeping Beauty's Castle, you it's have. It's so good. And this is where we really see it in detail. Yeah. Like in the Forbidden Mountains. And I think like you could design it so it's not, you could design it so it's not like ground level. Like yeah. you could design it up higher and. Forced I just, perspective. Yeah. Like you don't actually go in it. Yeah, I mean, you could, but yeah, I guess you don't have to. Well, if it's forced perspective, oh, then that, I guess that means that be... it's probably going to be when you, you if you get there. Okay, yeah. see, I'd like to go in it. So, all right, we'll have to do some talking. Okay. Uh, but anyway. Uh, Any when... Imagineers out there, get, get, get back to us. Seriously. Email us, And please. I'm sure it's been designed. It's been suggested. Like we were saying later, uh, when all the thorns go around the castle, I'm like, why don't they do that for Halloween? Why don't they put all the thorns around Sleeping Beauty's castle and make it creepy for Halloween that like Maleficent has taken over the park. Like I think that would be really cool. And like Ryan Ryan said to me when I said that, he's like, I'm sure someone's thought of that. Like it is a pretty like linear thought, but I'm curious as to what made them decide to not do that. I I, don't, I think it do you think it's too scary? I, I don't know. I mean yeah. it's probably easier with what they do now with not so scary Halloween yeah. where it's just like cobwebs or whatever. Like, yeah, but I would I would live for that. I would I don't that. know why. I, I think Disney in general 
kind of they they've got a good villain line, but I think they don't do. I mean, maybe it's because we both love villains. Like, I think they do more than they used to do with. It. Yes, but I, th- I I don't know. Again, if they're not going to have a whole park dedicated, I, I don't understand why they don't have a whole land. I don't understand why they yeah. don't have a whole, especially how, as popular as scary, not so scary Halloween is. Just have a land that's just villain land. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? Yeah, and they uh-huh. all gather together. Yeah. Uh, but this is where we see her castle in so much detail. So you see, like, the hands that are holding the chains of, like, the... Um, drawbridge. The drawbridge. And there's so many scary gargoyles because the fairies have now made it to the Forbidden Mountains. So we're kind of seeing it through their perspective as they're, like, flying through the castle. And this is when you see all the goons dancing around the fire and they're celebrating and their shadows. It's very reminiscent of Night on Bald Mountain, we pointed out. Yeah, and a little bit reminiscent of Scar's Lair. I think more Night on Bald Mountain, but it's got a little bit of both in the coloring with the green and and the Mm -hmm. dark colors. But the shadows do look so cool around the fire, but you mentioned uh, a fact that might... That the, might ruin it for the, people when they watch it. I don't think it. so, but the villains are the the goons are moving. Their circle is moving in one direction, and the shadow is moving in a different well, direction. And it bothered me. <laughs> that's like Fantasia when I told you guys that the colors of the rainbow were reversed, and then Chris couldn't unsee it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so she's sitting in her throne, and uh, she's very pleased with herself. But she's not like overly joyful here. But she's just I, she's content. I guess I would say. She's thinking like she's definitely yeah. that's one of the things they talk about her is like she's very introspective and how do you put that onto an animation yeah. and they do a good job of it here. And so you watch her go to the prince and she floats the way she moves like but when her cape goes over the stairs like it moves down, it each, moves stair. down each step. And there's a, there's a so scene good. later if you guys go back and watch this when spoiler alert Princess uh, Aurora and Philip are, are going down the stairs and the. Her dress, I think, looks even better doing well, this. Well, especially because of the lines on the dress. I yes. think, yeah, it draws so your eye there yeah. more. Um, but yeah, so she goes down to Philip and she tells Philip Aurora's story and about how she's in this trance and she's sleeping. And um, she says, you know, I'm going to basically keep you until you're too old and then I'm going to let you go and kiss her. So you will be so old, and he's got like this long beard on the horse. Yes, and she like that's her plan. Is, is like to she's just going to torture, torture him yeah. until he's so old he can barely, basically, make it there to get yeah. to to kiss her, and and that's it, you know. And then she says to the raven as she's leaving, "This is the first time in sixteen years that I shall sleep well." Yeah, so she's. Um, she's looking forward to a good night's sleep. And then this is when the fairies come in to Philip's rescue. And they set him free, and you loved the animation of their wands. Oh, here. it looked like torches, like they were, or, 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 or yeah, like blow torches, blow torches. Or, or, or welding mm-hmm. torches. Undoing the lock yeah. and, and the chains and the shackles. And so they give him a mighty sword of truth, and they give him an enchanted shield of virtue. And Flora says here that, you know, we can't join you on your journey. You're going to have to face Do many other same. dangers without us. And False. <laughs> That's the one false thing. They do keep helping him and they do keep following him on his journey. So when he escapes, the goons are attacking him. I made a good point that I love that the goons have like maces and axes and they just throw them at him. (laughs) They're not throwing weapons. Uh But so then it's like, he they throw they drop rocks on him or they and uh, the rocks are turned to bubbles and yeah the arrows are turned to flowers like they're it's using all things magic. that a a shield could protect you from so yes. I don't know why 
They didn't just let him use the magic yeah. shield they gave him. And the raven is making all this ruckus, and that's how the goons oh. know he's escaping. Yeah, when they come out and they run into the raven, that whole little animation is cool because the raven, like, stops short and kind of... Pa- mm-hmm. It's so... Because you don't see him coming. Yeah. He just enters the frame. It's really quick, but I really like that scene. Yeah, and so he's, like, causing all this commotion and trying to let the goons know, and I think trying to let Maleficent know, and... uh as the prince is getting away, Meriwether is really annoyed. That's where she shakes again. Uh, and she's really annoyed she by... She goes the, after him. Yeah, really annoyed by the raven. And so with her magic, she tries to go after him. And in the last like moment, she turns the raven to stone. So when Maleficent comes out to tell everyone to be quiet, she realizes that her pet, my pet, has been turned to stone. And she, she's devastated, but also really angry because she realized Philip. she's realizing what's yes. happening. Um, but they took away her only friend. And that's why I think she deserved her own movie. <laughs> so this, her on the top of the tower with that cape, it was my note. Like, again, her cape drama here and just like her whole outfit drama here was so good. Yes. Well, they also, she's throwing lightning at Philip. Like, yes. th- she's throwing it and then the next shot is, it's a very good connection and direction. So it feels like with the wideness of the screen as you're watching it, like, go across yeah, the screen. Yeah, and then this is when she does the spell that she puts the forest of thorns and the fog of doom Did you write down the, 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 the whole little poem there? Because you were talking about it how much you really liked. Good. It was a very good little poem. Uh, all of them. Anytime there's a spell from Maleficent or the Good Fairies, I love the way they rhyme and I love how they're written. I, each one of them, I think, are really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. And so it is Forest of Thorns and Fog of Doom, but I don't remember the whole yes. uh, line. And so he makes it through all the thorns because he has the shield and the sword. I think that is just him. I don't know that the, the fairies helped him with the shield and sword, but um, they're not there with him in that moment. And then she says, well, you're going to deal with me now. And all <laughs> the Boss powers <laughs> of... Oh, well, Tara, now we have to cut that out. It's in the movie. I don't know what to tell you. We we have a higher uh, pedigree than well, this Maleficent movie. says that, and then she turns into the dragon, and like Ryan said, it's a boss fight. I wrote an epic fight. It is a very intense fight uh, with her as the dragon and him. The shield falls, and then Flora says the spell, but we mm-hmm. think all three of them do the spell with yes. her, and they put an additional spell on the sword to basically make it more powerful. They've got a little poem there, too. Yes, like. which is another good one. And so he throws it into basically the her gut, I guess, her stomach of the... I thought it was her chest. I think it was supposed Maybe. to be her heart. Yeah, I guess. It's in a like weird spot on her, but they... He throws it into her and... She screams. Like, you hear her scream. Yeah, and she falls off a cliff, so it's another villain. We are tracking that. So, another villain that falls Disney off a cliff. Disney villain's kryptonites is high, high, high points. High places. <laughs> uh, and so, she falls into, like, her green flames, and then you look down and all the flames have cleared, and it could be her cape. It could just be what's left of her. It's just this, like, sha- not a shadow, but a... It looks like a smudge. I felt yeah, bad. Yeah, with like the sword in it, and yes. then the sword kind of turns yeah. dark at that point. And then Philip goes to the princess, and so he sees everybody asleep as he's going through very quickly, and he kisses her. Now, I remember this shot of her opening her eyes, because I feel like it's like, the magic of Disney. Anytime they do like a commercial that's like, take home the magic of Disney with yeah. you when we re-release... Uh, you know, Peter Pan on video. And then they'll do like a, a montage of a couple of them before they do whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. And you see her eyes open. But I don't remember her doing the like slow smile of like, hello, 
Pete. Hello, Philip. Because know? I think like when she last went to sleep, she was yeah, in a no, very different state. I understand it, but yeah. I just don't remember that second part of it. I remember the eyes kind of fluttering away. Yeah, I really like that scene that you kind of see her smile when she realizes yeah. it's Philip. And it's what I do every morning when my wife oh, wakes me. Oh, how sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone starts to wake at this point, and King Stefan blames his sleepiness on the wine. He goes, oh, he goes, oh so oh, sorry, Hubert, the, the wine. wine. <laughs> and he's like, you were trying to say something? And then this is where Hubert mentions the 14th century again. And then they see... Philip coming down the stairs with Aurora, and this is where we see her dress. Yes. With her dress coming down the stairs, and the dress is blue here still. And, uh, you know, she greets her mother and father, and she hugs them, and she's so happy. And then she kisses Hubert on the cheek, and he is so confused. Yeah, he's like, does this, but, but what? he's I, like, I thought you were in love with someone. Like, he doesn't even get the words out. Like, he's stuttering through the whole thing. And then he's just kind of like, hmm, he's happy, I'm yeah. happy. And then everyone starts swaying. Because the song comes in, um, Once Upon a Dream, and they're dancing. And then they're dancing on... Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I almost skipped the important part. With Fauna? Yes. Yes. Where Fauna is crying, and she just says she loves happy endings. Well, and then Flora goes, (gasps) and realizes it's It's blue. It's blue, and goes, pink. And then they float up to the clouds dancing, and the dress continues to change until the storybook closes on the story. And, and it closes on pink, but I thought it was going to close on blue, and yeah, I got so excited. Even when it's a still in the page, it's still changing colors. Yeah. Now, you were talking about, you had a, a toy when you were a kid that was I, It was Aurora. a Barbie. It was Aurora, and it was a reversible dress, so you could change her from pink to blue. And I usually always had her in blue. So that's why I was really pumped when I thought it was going to end in blue, but it ends in pink. Um, you ready for the questions? Yeah, I am ready. How was the princess? So. I thought she was pretty good. Yeah, I thought reading about her, I thought, oh, maybe she isn't going to have that much agency. But I think she did. I think she wasn't a strong female character, but at the same time, I think her, so much yeah. was kept from her that it was like, I think, how could she be more than she was? I think the story, the the plot points kept her from having agency specifically. Yeah. But I think she reacted to them in a way that was how you should react to it. It wasn't just like, yes. okay, I'm going to be a princess now. Mm-hmm. It was, no, this and is, she was, she was, stinks. She had her guard up when she first met the prince. She didn't just mm-hmm. like doe-eyed follow him. But then like he was a very smooth talker. But yeah. she, but. I think in the I, pantheon of like women characters, nah, she's all right. But I think if we're looking at the last three, like the big three princesses we've dealt with so far, I would rank her second. I would be Cinderella, Cinderella, Aurora, Snow Snow White. White. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's fine. Um, It's 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 the story. You know, we were talking about like you know, do we? I think in uh, Janelica's episode we talked about in Peter Peter Pan, Pan. You know. I just said there's like a more a better touchstone for people who don't know Janelica. Uh, but she said she had a friend who doesn't let them watch these old movies. And I think I understand having that conversation. But I because think Because the prince because the prince saves the day. Yeah. And I have a lot of thoughts about that with, with Little Mermaid and we'll get there in a bit. But this yeah. is also a nineteen fifty nine film. I also think like we I, I think we need to keep pushing in that direction. But I think when you look at the pantheon of what Disney has, it's okay to have this and then also have Frozen and Moana and things that have a little bit more female empowerment. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm i not saying, and we've done it, guys. We're no, good. No, yeah, but I think, <laughs> I don't think this one is detrimental in that category. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's, you know, a princess story. And if your kid's going and watching a princess story, there's probably a good chance they're going to like like they're okay with like 
she's going to marry a prince. She's going to do this. Like, you know, and there's other movies to show them if they want to see that too. But I think, mm. I think she was all right. How was the prince? I loved him. I think he was, he, he was had one so much personality. Princes. He was funny. I loved Samson, his horse, his sidekick was great. Yep. And he stuck by his guns. Like he didn't care that she wasn't a princess, right? He fell yeah. in love the same way she fell in love. And like immediately went to his father to be like, this is what's happening. Like, I'm not going to marry... I don't want to marry Aurora. I don't know her. I've never seen her before, right? Like, and he had so much more personality than either of the princes before, and so this. many more lines yes. too. I thought he was a good one. I yeah. liked him a lot. Um, how are the sidekicks? The fairies are delightful. So good. Meriwether's my favorite. Do you have a favorite fairy? I think Mary. Well, no, I think I like Fauna, but I I, I think I like it because it's like picking Flora or Meriwether feels like picking a side and Fauna is like That's just true. kind of Meriwether was my favorite as a child so she's con- she continued to be I'm my team Meriwether in that that matchup yeah. 100% cuz I think Flora has ha- has been on top for too long <laughs> um but yeah I'm with they you They were so good I loved all three of them Uh I love Diablo I love Diablo is awesome yeah I love the goons The goons don't like do a bunch and they're dumb but like their design is And they're animated really yeah. interestingly Their design is right up my alley I always when i was a kid i used to like drawing monsters and like but i mean like sesame street monsters or anything like that where it's not like specifically frankenstein or mm-hmm. anything like that it was just like big eyes and fangs and horns and beaks yeah. and whatever i just i and i thought those guys did it and i i i'm curious like where they come from like why do they follow maleficent other than they just went oh these are evil like like literally, if their their race is minion, it wouldn't surprise me. You understand? I, yeah, and they who knows? They could be under a spell, right? She could have commanded them to be. Yes. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, they're good too. Um, how does it hold up? Female character agency. I mean, we kind of addressed that we, already. What we didn't address is two things I want to point out. I think the fairies had a lot of agency. Oh yes, yeah, we addressed it. I would say from Aurora's standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think the fe- the fairies. And Maleficent. Like, let's yeah, talk yeah, about her yeah, agency. Good point, good like, point. her agency is strong and it is intense. And you've got many different female characters in this, other yes. than just princess or mother. And I will say, in Cinderella, you have many different female characters, but like, go away to the stepsisters. Like, <laughs> I I love go much, away here. I love for them. the stepsisters. Um, I'm so available. <laughs> yeah, like, they are kind of funny, but I'm just like, oh man. But in this one, I think you have so many different kinds of personalities mm-hmm. because you have the three fairies because you have maleficent because you have aurora and even the queen the queen doesn't really have i don't i didn't much like of anything. that was what i was gonna say the queen and they has never like, refer to her name in the movie they refer to king stefan's name but they never say her name that's what movie. i was gonna say because you said this is the first disney princess movie where the the mother isn't dead yeah and to me it's like she was because she yeah she had no really point there. like they're like yeah. oh thank god we kept her in the movie because no. yeah i'm with you on yeah. that um not I, to be she was fine i'm happy she was yes. there yeah but i'm with you she didn't give enough to the story like we get insight into king stefan in his relationship with hubert but we never see the other queen and we never mm-hmm. yeah uh ethnic representation it's a european fairy tale so it's all white people yeah but that's whatever uh guns and firearms um no guns. No guns. Some weapons. Not a big and deal, no I don't think. no smoking or anything. Uh, well, there was drinking. And I think that drinking, would be... Drinking, yeah. That would be the... So, to me, I don't think... Like, I don't know. I don't have a problem with kids seeing that. So, it wouldn't be a big deal for me. But there is a scene that where the, the crux of the joke is one guy is getting very, very drunk. And I found it very, very funny. But I do think if your perspective's different or if you... 
Well, this goes to our, our, our point of like, do you want to just let a kid watch it? And that's got to be your decision. But that scene is definitely in there. Yeah. Um, so now, guys, we are going to do, as we've done these last uh, few episodes, it's time to discuss. The mistress of evil. The mistress of all evil. The one and only. Maleficent. Maleficent. All right. As we've discussed in our previous uh, villains episode, this uh, method of of deduction is, uh, for, or, or this method of categorizing for the villains is flawless and one hundred percent scientific. Um, so let's go ahead and start uh, with frightening. Five. She's terrifying. Uh, yeah, From I, moment one. I'm going to give her a five, too. I don't want to bully you into your numbers. I feel very strongly and committed in where I'm at with well, her, but I. I'm also trying not to be contrarian to your views because I know where you're. I, I, if you like, put the you know. Let me yeah, just think of yeah, what yeah, your yeah, range yeah. would be. But I think, I think when you hear her theme, I think when you hear her, her staff, I think there are a lot of things besides how she looks and how she acts that adds to her frightening level. I think she's a five frightening, but I think she's not as fright. I think when you look at her versus the coachman frightening, the coachman is like a five frightening, but he's also got go away heat because it's a bad frightening. Yes. This is a good frightening. Like yes, yeah. Agreed. So I think that that it that's why we have all the different views. Which the next the, all the different categories. The next one is funny. I she is a little funny. I'm gonna give her a three on funny. I, I gave her a two. Um, because I, I did laugh at some of her lines and. She's also like coy. She's got like, a dark oh. humor to her a little bit. She, yeah, like, ooh, you didn't invite me. Oh, oh no. Like, she's yes. kind of like that. So I gave her yeah. a two for that. So I, I think that's good. Fierce. Uh, I think we're both Five. in agreement with it. Five. Absolutely. She's amazing. Uh, uh, ama- she's got huge cape drama. She's got great. For days. She's got cape drama for days. She just, uh, sorry to cut you off, but I mean, we've talked about it, but she just, everything about her, I think, um, for that category. Effective. So I'm going to give her a four for effective because she she completes her part with the spell. Like she does put her to sleep. Mm-hmm. She does find her, you know, she does put her to sleep and she does capture Philip. So she, her plan, she's not a five because she doesn't finish her plan, but I think she's very close to finishing her plan. So that's interesting because I gave her a five. Now, I think if we rated her on a, on, a, on a scale out of 10, I'd give her a nine. So where's your five come from? I don't know. Uh, it would I, be a 4.5 normally, and then I'm going to round up. I see. But I, because I, honest to God, think she wanted to, I think she succeeded in doing everything she set out to, there were obstacles put in her way and she adjusted. And yes. I, so like, I think at the end of the day, giving her a five, you know what? I'll give her a five. You know This will all even out. It's fine. No, I'll give her a five. Cause I agree with you. I was looking at it more of, did she accomplish her task? But I really like your point of she pivoted. She, every her curse time, still went through. Every, but and then every she time, almost made it worse by getting Philip. Like she is, I think she's very accomplished. She, now, I think short of Teddy Toddy, who actually murders the hero, like yeah. we're not going to have see another five for a while. But. Yeah, but I think she, I like the idea of her pivoting, right? I like the yes. idea of, um, you know, when obstacles were thrown in her way, that wasn't the end. She still kept going. She is what I would refer to as a soft five as opposed to a hard five. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, design. Five. It's the same. It's a beautiful so design. It looks so good. It's it's iconic. Yeah, and we were watching... Um, Carl Davis? Is that his name? No. Mark Davis. Mark Davis. Uh, originally, instead of where it was purple, it was red. And, and that still looked great. Also looked really <laughs> cool. So seeing some of the original drawings of that was really cool. All right. Last two I think are easy. Go away heat. 
a one. Yeah, absolutely. I want her more. <laughs> and yes factor? Uh, five. I'm going to put a five four plus for plus. her. I'm going to put a four for her. Just what? because. I'm not. I, I love her a lot. But I, think I know. I said I wouldn't bully you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. so, I'm a five plus plus plus. So real quick, guys, we're going to. Three pluses. Yeah. So real quick, we're going to go off. Let me get these numbers and we'll have a ranking for you in just one second. Okay. All right, folks. I, I have to be honest. I was a little surprised by this, but we now have a tie for first place between the Evil Queen and Maleficent. And I, Ryan was a little bit hesitant to tell me. He was a little worried. But I am actually totally fine with that ranking because in my mind, you can't have Maleficent without the Evil Queen. I think the Evil Queen set a pretty somewhat strong precedent for a villain. I think she goes above and beyond the Evil Queen because we get to see a lot more of her. Um, and I just think she, her depth of personality, there's a lot more to her, I think, mm-hmm. than the Evil Queen. But she's number one in my heart, and that's all that really matters. Um, and I, I we want to make sure we do this last question, but... And I think it's a no-brainer, but this one we're going to th- throw in the vault, right? Uh, no, it is already <laughs> on our shelf. We own it, and it will continue to stay on the top of our shelf. Well, guys, sure. I-, I hope you enjoyed this episode a quarter of how much Tara enjoyed watching Sleeping Beauty. Um, we will be back next week, I believe, with 101 Dalmatians. Another great villain. We are just hitting a stride here in these last couple. So thank you so much for listening. Send us an email, please. And uh, until then, we'll see you next time. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is to at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Uh